0: Hey guys, Bill here. Mina Kimes is on the way. We're doing a mailbag show this week here on the Bill Barnwell Show. I have Mina as my guest, but if you do not get enough Mina on the show, I'd recommend you subscribe to her various podcasts. There is, of course, ESPN Daily, excellent daily show where Mina breaks down the biggest stories in sports five days per week, and the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, which is once per week. It is a excellent football podcast. Mina is currently previewing. The NFL division by division over the next few weeks. But on today's episode of the Bill Barnwell Show, she's going to be doing a mailbag, which we're going to get to right now. All right, as promised, it is the host of ESPN Daily, the host of the Mina Kimes Show, featuring Lenny and a regular contributor to the Bill Barnwell Show. Joining us on the line today, doing an off-season mailbag. It's our friend Mina Kimes. Mina, what's up?
1: Bill. The difference between our football shows is none of these questions are about the X Men, so we're off to a good start.
0: Did, uh, I, I would say about twenty percent of the questions were about X Men, and so I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to leave that. Leave that. I'm not sure which if that's a Mina show topic or a Lebertard show topic. I'm just going to leave it in other Mina.
1: Oh, that's that, that's pure Mina Cam show featuring Lenny. Thank you for staying out of my lane. <laughs> I just figured you you've
0: probably answered enough X Men questions, but We have some football questions today. We have some football. You, of course, use the mailbag quite frequently on your show. This is more of an expanded mailbag. We're going to give you an opportunity to have your side uh, of the answers here. I did not – I I solicited questions on Twitter. I did not trade them for reviews on iTunes, which is – uh a wow. smart, thing a, a smart wow. thing. a smart thing you do and a not smart thing I do. No, this is not a criticism. This is a compliment. Like this is someone being smart about marketing <laughs> and advertising their show. But we have a lot to get to, and I think a few really good questions. So let's start with I think I guess the biggest NFL news right now. I mean, outside of the real life element of things, but just in terms of actual mm-hmm. football or vaguely football related content. Let's start with Jamal Adams. Uh this question is from I lost the question. Cool.
1: Kevin Cool Guy.
0: Kevin, yes, <laughs>
1: Great great. Handle. You are not
0: allowed to host the show. <laughs> Kevin Cool Guy. I
1: just
0: copied face to face them. <laughs> Kevin yeah. Cool Guy says, which trade destination would turn Jamal Adams, or would Jamal Adams turn into a legit contender? To clarify, a team like the Ravens or Chiefs doesn't count because they're already contenders, which is true. So, mm. Mina, we've talked a little bit about Jamal Adams, I think, off the air in our ongoing discussion about football I'm going to let you answer this question first.
1: So it's challenging because Kevin Cool Guy, um, the way he phrased it, you know, we also have to evaluate who are not contenders, you know? Sure. Um, I I did love Jamal Adams' trade list, which was the good teams. And then he <laughs> added the Bucks because he was like, oh, I forgot another good team, basically. This <laughs> incredible move by uh, Jamal That's Adams. That's smart, though. And, and yeah, well, you know, it's an interesting situation with him, too, because there's the question of, okay, if you trade for him, and you're essentially going to have to give up at least a first, right? I believe the Cowboys, or what they offered a first, and wasn't enough for the Jets last yes. time around, or maybe mm-hmm. it was another team, I forget. Anyway, so then there's also the question of, okay, do you have to give him a contract? And there's been some intimation that if he's traded to, again, one of the good teams, he will not require an immediate contract extension, um, you know, after just three years. So I guess I, I was looking at his list first, Phil, as mm-hmm. a starting point and, and asking myself, are any of these teams not contenders? The Cowboys being a great example of a team where it's where he wants to go. They have an obvious need for him. Financially, I'm not quite sure how it'll work. You can make everything work, but it would be the most stars and scrub roster maybe in the history of football. Yes. They already are stars in Trump's roster. Yes. Um, but I, I, the, off of his list, the team that jumped out to me that is borderline fringe contender and needs him the most is Philadelphia.
0: What do you think? Yes. I think Philadelphia does need him, and Philadelphia can afford him in the short term. But I think. Like his argument, or, or the idea that he was not going to accept an extension or didn't need to get an extension as part of this deal, like you're just putting it off a year. It's not like Jamal Adams is never sure. going to get paid, and the Eagles, um, well, last time I checked, and I could be wrong, they are about fifty million dollars over the cap next year, and you know they'll move some money around. I'm, I'm confident they're going to field a team uh, in 2021, but. I don't think this is an organization. I don't think a lot of organizations. Well, they that don't do pay, this. Yeah. They don't do this. Number one, but also number two, yeah. like they've paid Carson Wentz a lot of money. And I think when we're looking at these teams and looking at the teams around the league, I think teams who have a, a franchise quarterback getting paid top tier money and another player, whether it be a Fletcher Cox, whether it be a DeMarcus Lawrence or an Amari Cooper, and at least one more player making significant money, on the defensive side of the ball, I guess Cooper doesn't count, but like those two defensive players as examples, I don't know that you can pay a third defensive player mm. absolute top tier, you know, those sort of money Jamal Adams is going to want. So to me, I think that eliminates the Eagles because I really don't think they can afford him well, in the long term.
1: I'm respecting the question, Bill. He, he, Kevin Cool Guy didn't ask if it was smart. <laughs> he asked, <laughs> but does it turn this team into a legit contender? So from a football perspective, do you think – if they acquired Jamal Adams, and I totally agree with everything you just said. And also the Eagles' history suggests uh, – Baltimore's history as well, by the way, right? Those aren't teams that do this. No. Seattle is a team that would do it. but
0: that That's my team. That is the team that okay. I was thinking
1: Let's might be anyway. most so inclined do you think to do it, it. Do you think it – well, again, do you think it would turn Seattle into a contender, though?
0: I think it would help. I mean, I – I I think you know this. I I would appreciate it if you didn't curse on my show. Um, But I don't think the Seahawks are Super Bowl contenders right now. To me, this is a team that is most likely going to take a step backwards, given what we saw from them last year, and given the offseason that they had. Now, uh, they exceeded expectations last year. They have a very talented quarterback who I'm a very big fan of. Uh, But to me, I, I think the most likely outcome for the Seahawks this year is eight and eight or nine and seven. And does Jamal Adams move the needle enough to give them two extra wins? I mean, probably not, but I think if they're going to add someone and they, they figure, uh, you know, they want to add a veteran player who has upside not only this year, but also in the years to come, uh, and will make them more likely to be a contender this year, I think of the players who are likely to be available, Jamal Adams outside of, yeah, I guess that's not true, because I'd rather them spend it on and Clowney. But,
1: okay, that's what um, I wanted to talk, to talk to you about. Yes. Because that's yeah. the question, right? So yes. Seattle has, I think financially, they can afford this. Um, and I, I don't have the 2021 cap space in front of me, but I think they are pretty high up there. They're fine. Now, they're, you know, they got a Tyler Lockett, um, but it, it's a pretty clean cap. However, you know, they don't have a pass rush right now, right? So And there's, there's a question, I think, on here about all the pass rushers out there. So we'll mm-hmm. discuss at the Seahawks, I'm sure, when we get to that. But my question is... From a roster construction standpoint, would you rather have Jamal Adams, and again, obviously there's costs, a greater cost that comes with that because the draft picks too, and have what I actually think Quentin Dunbar's availability notwithstanding. It seems like he's going to play, but um, that's a good secondary. Sure. If you have Griffin, Dunbar, Quandre Diggs, Bradley McDougal, and Jamal Adams— to me, that's like a top five unit, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so would you rather do that? Or would you rather spend on Clowney and, you know, address that very obvious, glaring area of need? I think it's a very debatable question.
0: See, here's the thing. When you say, oh, the Seahawks have to pick between Jamal Adams and a pass rusher, Jamal Adams would have led the Seahawks in sacks last year with two and a half sacks to spare. So he right. might be both. He might be their best pass rusher if they trade for him. Um, and I think we've we've all seen or at least heard about the analysis that building through your secondary is typically better than building through your pass rush. Secondary play is more consistent, uh, and teams with better secondaries tend to produce more. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question that if you added Jamal Adams, in addition to having probably not six and a half sacks and maybe three or four sacks in a, in a season, um, that he's going to make whatever pass rusher you do get better. So, um, you know, there's obviously a lot of guys still out there. We're going to get to them in a later question, but you know, I, I wonder if it's better for them to go out and mm. sign one of the mid-tier guys like maybe a Jabal Sheard. And then if they trade for Adams, Jabal Sheard might be a four sack a year guy in a typical season, maybe because the secondary is so good and Adams does add an element to that secondary. Maybe he becomes a six sack a year guy.
1: I'm going to, um, move off of Adams list, you know, yes. um, throw out a weird team. I don't think this makes them necessarily contenders, but I think this vaults them firmly into playoff contention. I would really like them on the Raiders. Hmm. Have you thought about that at all?
0: I I don't know. I I think the Raiders, it it depends on what they do with LaMarcus Joyner, because LaMarcus Joyner was really good as a free safety with the Rams. The Raiders signed him and said, okay, we're going to move you back to nickel corner. And he was bad. He was really bad there, which is, you know, maybe just leave him at the spot he's good at. I don't. That's my opinion. I'm I'm simple and basic, but uh, I am not sure what his status is going to be in 2020. I mean, this is a team now that has Jonathan Abram coming back from a uh, from missing almost his entire rookie season. They signed someone. They signed Jeff Heath. Uh, who was with the Cowboys for my entire childhood and adult life. They signed Demarius Randall, who's coming off of an injury. Um, yes. They have options of no. safety. But, I mean, you know, Jamal Adams uh. is also – Jamal Adams is a lot better than any of those guys and a major difference maker in the secondary. So I could absolutely see that. And the Raiders, of course, had that extra first-round pick from the Bears. So they could sit yep. here and justify, hey, let's make that trade. And they the team that, The team that came to mind for me, although it's never going to happen – is I want the Dolphins to build the super secondary and trade for Jamal Adams. Super secondary, but the oh, Jets are not. They're not going to trade Jamal Adams to the, the Dolphins.
1: No, no. Uh, oh, we should also talk about the Bucks, which he, the, you know, again added at the end there. Because again, if the question is um, turning in a team into a legit contender, yes. I would say the Bucks, the marginal gain of for an already good team, would probably be the most important uh, for that team. Wow, that was really that was some great English from yours truly. Uh, nice. I think I started with the subject and reverted but I don't know. Anyways, I, the Bucks make sense from a football perspective.
0: I I would throw out the Falcons as well. Um obviously mm-hmm. they've they've sort of waited for Keanu Neal to be that guy. I wonder if they would send Keanu Neal back to the Jets in this trade, but I Ooh. think a team that does need defensive help. We know their defense is a mess. They've made a lot of steps this off season, but A young difference maker, Um, the money would be tough. They are in dire cap straits. But I wonder if that's a place where they would sit there and say, hey, let's, uh, you know, we can add a superstar to a defense that desperately needs a difference maker in the secondary.
1: I like it. I like Um, the super secondary, though. You got that in my head now.
0: I'm going to promote that. 100%. Hundred uh, percent. We'll get to that question we were referring to. Uh, Brian Warisport, I think is how is how their name is pronounced. Sorry if that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, says, what are your predictions for the remaining pass rusher free agency list? Jeffy and Clanny, Everson Griffin, Cameron Wake, Val Sheard, and Ziggy Ansa. So, Mina, floor is yours.
1: Well, Bill, I have cap space in front of me right now. Um, I think. Clowney, it was reported that he turned down the Browns, right, if I'm correct? So it's possible that ship has sailed. Um, I think Clowney is going to sign a one-year deal somewhere and try to rebuild its
0: value. It makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, so you're looking at teams like, I guess the Browns would have been one of those teams. Um, But aside from that, you're looking at the Jets still have the money and the need uh, frankly, the Giants, I, I, I remain perplexed by the Giants have not signed a pass rusher. Um, talked about that on this week's pod. And I think any of those guys would be sorely needed there. Um, the Dolphins could still go out and get him. Uh, um, you, well, when, you, cause when you start talking about one year deal, suddenly it really opens things up. Right. I guess he wants to play for he might want to play for somewhere like a contender. Um, he said
0: that in the past for sure.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. It's hard knowing. I mean, the truth is he should come back to the Seahawks. It makes the most sense for them, and I think for him, quite frankly, if that's the route he wants to take. Uh, But I don't know. I'm having trouble reading all the weird tea leaves around Clowney and the way teams are talking about him and the absence of offers. It's very strange. Here's here's a team that could use him, and I guess this would be the greatest dramatic irony, Philadelphia. Yeah, of course.
0: Uh, The team that loves pass rushers
1: the team that where the fan base unilaterally hates him.
0: <laughs> sure, but you know what?
1: Uh, They'll be yeah. fine.
0: They'll get over it. I mean, Seahawks yeah. Yeah. Seahawks yeah. fans came to like Jimmy Graham for a period of time.
1: You know how good that Eagles defensive line would be? if yeah. they were Clowney. By the way, holy smokes. I already think they're good. I think we've, we're going to talk about the Eagles at some point. I already think um, that's the, uh, strength. So.
0: Do you think there's any chance Clowney just sits out for the entire year?
1: Only if it looks like the year is going to be bonkers and i don't know i don't think it will i don't think we'll have that clarity in time um and if he's unhealthy but if he's Mm -hmm. truly healthy i don't think he should
0: i'd also throw the colts out there um
1: yeah for any of these guys by
0: the way yeah for sure i think a team that has a lot of young talent but wants to win this year has philip rivers on a one-year contract 23 million in cap space wouldn't shock me at all if they went after Clowney or the next guy, Everson Griffin.
1: Um, Everson Griffin is another one I thought. Either Seattle, I, I mean, the, the teams I mentioned are the teams that should be considering all of these guys, For not sure. just Jedevi and Clowney. Um, I guess the Lions is another one I think could potentially consider signing one of these. Maybe like bring Zianza home or something, or. Wake if they wanted to go that route. Are, are we missing any teams where there's an obvious need? You know, I, I'll, I'll throw another one out. I thought the Bills would sign a pass rusher, and they still have $20 million.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, they added a bunch of defensive tackles. Um, they drafted A.J. Ipanisa. I guess that's the one thing they did. Yeah. Oh, no, they signed, they're signed Mario Addison as well. They signed Addison, and they drafted Ipanisa. So they're okay. Could, could could
1: upgrade at edge.
0: True. Um, what about the Cowboys, a team that, uh, oh,
1: yeah,
0: obviously we're expecting they added a bunch of defensive tackle help. They signed Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe, but not much behind DeMarcus Lawrence and Tyrone Crawford. They signed Alden Smith, but I am being generous, I think, in saying that I'm not going to be counting on Alton Smith if he works out great, but I'm not expecting him to do too much. Then this is an organization that, uh... Uh, Mike Nolan is the DC. Mike Nolan had Cameron Wake as the uh, one of his star pass rushers in Miami for a while. So, I my guess is that Cam Wake retires. Like he he has been very productive, but also very injury prone. But if the Cowboys want a guy for 15 snaps a game, I think Wake makes a lot of sense. I my guess with Jabal Sheard, who's the next guy on this list, I would say maybe the Patriots, just because I think the Patriots are more inclined to get someone who can stop the run than I think a pass rusher, and I think. Sheard is the best mm. run defender of this. Griffin's a good run defender, too, but Sheard is the best run defender of this bunch. And I, I just think if you're Bill Belichick and you watch the tape of that Titans game over and over again all offseason, I feel like you probably want to add some run defense help if you can.
1: Agree. Um, the Cowboys is a really interesting one because, so, you know, after tagging Dak, they've got 11 million right, right now. Again, cap space is, you know, <laughs> it's I not did. made up numbers, basically. But um, but I do think, Bill, from a um, roster building standpoint, it makes much more sense for them to sign a Clowney type or Griffin or whatever on a one year deal than it does to trade for Adams. Um, yes. And you're you're totally right to point out edge rush is sorely needed on that D line. They've also got like Randy Gregory, again, as much of a question mark as Alden Smith. Uh, the, the final with Mike Nolan though, I tweeted this like last week. I don't have any idea what he's going to do with this defense. Cause he no. hasn't been a coordinator since 2014. Um, so it's the Cowboys pass rush was so weird last year. They actually finished, finished first in pass rush win rate, largely yeah. on the back of like this incredibly insane season from Robert Quinn. Who's probably going to regress. Um, and yet the defense really got diced up on a lot of like the short underneath stuff because the linebacker mm-hmm. struggled so much in coverage, so I'll be curious to see how what adjustments they make generally with that front seven again under Nolan because it it from right now it's just a black box,
0: yeah, absolutely, And I think you know we're going to see Washington in a new offense, we're going to see the Giants with a new offensive coordinator the eagles um I don't know I'm not sure what the Eagles offense is going to look like. This there or the season. I mean, obviously, uh, so many questions when it comes to that receiving core. That leads us to another question about the mm. Eagles. Um, this is about projection. So this is from 5P Franz 1. I'm really worried that one of these names is going to be offensive and I'm not going to realize every it.
1: Time. I know. Until... I, I did a porn one once and oh, everyone no. was laughing at me. I was like, you know what? I'm not my fault. But
0: I try my best. That's, that's all I can do. You know what? If it's a, a offensive thing, I. I can't. I can't read Twitter names. That's that's on me. Um, when it comes to units and positions with huge unknowns, like Eagles wide receivers and Patriots or quarterback, what is your best practice for folding such high variance potential into your predictions and feelings about the upcoming season?
1: Really interesting question. That's something I've struggled with. I, I've been doing. I already started my off-season previews for division by mm-hmm. division and. That's something I, for example, with the Eagles, actually both the Eagles wide receivers and DBs, I was like, I don't know, right? Yes. There's so many question marks. Um, and so then it's like, okay, what do I know? Do I know if this coach is good? You mentioned the Patriots uh, defensive line. I think that's a really good example of a unit at the front, the whole front seven, where we it, there's massive question marks personnel wise, but we trust Bill Belichick to coach them up, right? Um, so I think, I guess that would be my answer. Coaching is the first thing I look to.
0: Oh, for sure. I think coaching makes the most sense. Um, and I think beyond that, I'm looking at what kind of, what sort of comparables can I get here? I mean, a good example, I think is Mason Rudolph last year where we knew nothing about Mason Rudolph. He was in a pretty good offense. They had a little bit of injuries, but it obviously got much worse as the year went on. But with Mason Rudolph, we knew he was a third round pick. We know the typical production from a third round pick, and I think when you look at the guys who succeeded as third round picks, the person who comes to mind, of course, is one Russell Wilson, who fell to the round because he was short, not because he was not that good at football. So I think you're looking at, you know, how do your typical third, fourth round picks, second round picks, maybe who are big, who have NFL size, but fell without fell with that size, um, you know, how do they typically do? And the answer is not that good, and Mason Rudolph turned out to be pretty poor. Uh, so obviously with Jared Stidham, I think we have faith in the coaching staff, or at least I do. Um, I'm not sure about Josh Daniels, maybe not, but I think Bill Belichick is going to have a plan. I don't think he's going to just give him the Tom Brady playbook and say, go do it. Um, so I, I'm sort of like more optimistic than a typical fourth round pick, but not still super optimistic. This is a guy who just hasn't played, so it's going to take time. Um, with the Eagles, I mean... I think what we know is the injury track record. We know Deshaun Jackson is Hmm. probably not going to miss like 14.8 games, but he's also probably going to miss three or four. So I think you start there. With Alshon Jeffrey, we know he's coming off a serious injury. um, is probably not going to be healthy to start the season, so you're discounting him a bit. And then with Jalen Rieger, he's good, but first-round picks typically generate about 600 yards a year. So, you know, could he be an absolute superstar? Of course, that's not out of the question, but I think my starting projection for him is – you know, a, a 600, 700-yard receiver in his rookie season. And then, you know, I I don't want to pick on Carson Wentz too much. I feel like it's uh, an easy target because it gets Eagles fans really angry. But this is a guy who just has not been a been a great deep passer over the course of his career and drops are part of it. But even after you... account for the drops. He just is not a guy who's been chucking it downfield with a very good offensive line over that entire time frame. So I think the weapons are going to make him better, but I don't think he's going to turn into Patrick Mahomes because the Eagles added some speed this offseason.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned Wentz because, yeah, I think I mentioned coaching, but context on the field matters. Again, when we're looking at like an unknown unit, right? And I think go back to the Eagles DBs, right? So we got Jalen Mills moving to safety. Can uh, Sidney Jones ever break out <laughs> uh, you know um what it's gonna be like with darius slay you know right. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. well i don't know but one thing i do know is I, I think that front seven is still front seven no they basically punted on linebacker i think that d line is still yes. good and obviously uh, having a good d line helps a bad secondary and i would compare that to say the giants where um i think there's also a lot of questions in that Secondary and some players that I like, quite frankly, um, but a lot of questions. But then I look at the D line and I don't think they're going to help. So mm-hmm. if I'm looking at an unknown unit, I'm looking at who else is on the field at the same time.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, another question about the quarterback situations. I mentioned um, the Carson Wentz situation. So DataSci U of M says we're currently seeing a glut of quarterback talent and some of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Sean Watson, Lamar Jackson are African American. Has historical prejudice against black quarterbacks given us a mistaken impression? How many competent quarterbacks exist in the world?
1: Are we seeing a glut of quarterback talent? That was my first. I want to. I I think his question about historical prejudice against black quarterbacks, um, you know, basically suppressing talent for years. I absolutely think that's true. But I would actually feel quibble with the idea that. Uh, there's like a golden age of quarterback play right now. I don't know. What do you think about that? Before we get into the sort of particulars,
0: I I think this is the best group of quarterbacks we've ever seen play football in the National. Well, okay,
1: league. never mind. I Darn. mean, like,
0: like I don't know. I think the quarterbacks now are better than the quarterbacks of ten years ago.
1: I do. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree like, with that. I just like, think after once you get outside the top ten of quarterbacks. I, I, you're probably right that the baseline of the average quarterback right now is much better than the baseline. In, in my the opinion, past
0: and I, I could certainly be wrong. Um What I would say that sort of answering this question on the whole, even beyond the um, the possibility of being a golden age, which is, it might, might be true, might not be true. Um I think it's more of a bias towards guy, white guys who are six feet four to six foot six, who have strong arms than anything else. I think, that has been the prototype for quarterbacks for, for as long as I've been alive. For as long as I've been, you know, watching football, and the reality is, like, there's not 32 of those guys, like, who are yeah. also good at football. There's a lot of guys who are tall and have strong arms and white, and like eight of them are good, and like 20 more are awful and have jobs for 20 years because they are still tall and still white and still have strong arms and produce a passer rating of 75 when they get on the football fields. Um, I don't know. Oh, sorry. And I guess the other thing I would say is that, like, um, I think we've missed out on quarterbacks of all types. We missed out on quarterbacks of color for sure. And I think there were, you know, teams who said, hey, we can't draft a a mobile quarterback because we can't fit our, you can't fit him into our offense. And the Ravens kind of proved how pointless that was when they built their offense around Lamar Jackson and got an MVP year out of a guy who people not on this phone call uh, didn't think was an NFL caliber quarterback. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably guys who were shorter who missed time. Um, And and I think there's just the reality of like, there are guys who go through the league who, if they had had an opportunity, might have been superstars but never got on the field. And what happens if Trent Green doesn't tear his ACL and a, a 27 year old Kurt Warner? Gives up his dream and goes back to you know stocking supermarket shelves, like getting a chance to be MVP. Um, what if Drew Bledsoe doesn't shear his blood vessel, and after two years, Tom Brady uh, doesn't have an opportunity and maybe gets like one start and fails and, and retires? I mean, what if someone who isn't Pete Carroll and isn't a lunatic about competition drafts Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson sits as a backup for a few years, um, or Russell, or what if Russell Wilson came around ten years earlier and it was a totally different situation? I, I just, um, you know, I, I think. There's just not enough guys who fit the NFL's very arbitrary and very yeah. antiquated idea of what a quarterback looks like, and I think we, as a like as a media group and as a group of fans, I think we only see that group of people. I mean, I was reading the other day, who was it by? Uh, the guy from the Big League, Jason McIntyre, in September of 2016, wrote: "There's a shortage of quarterbacks. We're doomed." And since then, we've had Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, John Watson, Lamar Jackson, a bunch of other guys who might turn out to be good, and then Kyler Murray in 2019. Um, Very few of those guys fit into the idea of tall, white guy, but they've all turned out to be pretty good quarterbacks. So I think we have to be more open-minded, and I think the reality is we have more quarterbacks who are um, nfl collar players than we might think. They just have to get opportunities.
1: Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely right to point out, That, that sort of stereotype of a quarterback, uh, that has restricted opportunities. And I'm specifically talking about the NFL because I think you see guys hit their, sort of hit a wall, both entering college and then leaving college has opened a lot over the last few years. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think right now NFL teams are more open to the idea of what a quarterback looks like, plays like than ever before. And you're right. That is undoubtedly um, sort of created opportunities where there wouldn't have been in the past. I mean, you and I have talked a lot about Michael Vick and how like if Michael Vick enters the NFL now, it's quite possible. He has an entirely different career, right? Like oh, he, for sure. it doesn't, it doesn't take, you know, until he eventually links up with Andy Reed, who actually optimizes an offense for his abilities. You know, if, Michael Vick has that happen when he's 22. Uh, history looks very different potentially. Um, so it, it is. It's very cool that that's not likely to happen anymore. I think it still happens a little bit, but um, oh, for sure. You're totally right. Yeah, yeah, right. For sure, we can think of some recent examples. Absolutely, but um, yeah, it, it, it's. But it's something that again, like black quarterbacks are still asked to change positions at mm-hmm. lower levels. Um, you know, and I think define. Did you see that? Oh God, that graphic that went around. I don't even know who made the graphic. That was like traditional quarterbacks. No, oh so bad. You remember that? Yeah. Yes. Um, but you know, I mean, God, look at look at the list. Look at the, the four best quarterbacks in the NFL right now. Um, are, in my opinion, <laughs> I said that so definitively, and now I'm like gonna meekly say, Mahomes, Wilson, Watson, Lamar. Uh, I, mean, I guess four quarterbacks you'd want for the next five years. I'll hedge that a little bit. Um, And that definitely is indicative of a changing league.
0: Um, From John Maslow, how Buffalo Bills is it that as the team gets its act together, it sets everything up for 2020, there's about a 50-50 shot they actually get to play? I'm going to expand this question out to you, Mina. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you who would you have the most sympathy for? Which organization would you have the most sympathy for if there is not an NFL season in 2020?
1: The Saints. Yeah, it has to be the Saints, right? Right. I can't, that's the most obvious answer.
0: I mean, just loaded roster. You have Drew Brees in his forties, a team coming off of three consecutive postseasons, which included two devastating losses, one last second loss to the Vikings or two last second losses to the Vikings. Um, a a team that I don't know how the NFL would handle the cap situation, but you'd figure uh, you know, even given that they have Taysom Hill, gonna get into Taysom Hill. But I guess maybe Taysom, we should have brought a Taysom Hill as a, a point to the last question, I suppose. But um with Drew Brees, I mean True. uh, you know, obviously another year of Drew Brees on the bench would be disappointing. Um any other teams come to mind for you?
1: Yeah, I mean the Bucks, you know, they don't have a plan for post Tom Brady. Um so I think that would be the second. I don't think they're like all in in the same way, but just at the quarterback position, it's very unclear. I mean, at least the Saints too have like backups, right? I mean, the God, who's Brady's backup? Is it uh, Blaine Gabbert? Blaine Gabbert, Blaine I thought Gabbert. Oh, Gabbert. Gabbert. Um, I mean, I mean, those those guys
0: might it might as well be Sean Mannion. Or uh, <laughs> by the way, is it weird that Blake Bortles is not signed
1: anywhere? It is weird. Although it's not weird because um, as someone who. Watched Blake Bortles last preseason. <laughs> um, I love his backup, who's now the Rams' backup, this dude John Wolford. Again, th- this cuts to our question about quarterbacks, and he's this, like, short guy. Uh, I talk about him all the time, uh, who tore it up in the AAF and then, like, worked in private equity. <laughs> he was he, – I thought he was better than Blake Bortles last preseason, and I was very nervous saying that, and the Rams have now validated me because he is their quarterback of the future. Right? Or no, he's not. He's the, I mean, he's the backup. So, um yeah, it is a little bit weird. Although I will say, Bill, backup salaries have been so depressed, right? Like when Jameis Wood- Winston signing for one million dollars, um, I wonder it makes me wonder if maybe Blake just didn't like his offers. I don't know.
0: You think Blake, you think Blake is just like screw it, I'm just gonna go home? Like
1: I wanna stay in LA. I, I just
0: can't imagine what else Blake Bortles would do with his life. Maybe that's Very me. Odd. Um, um one I want team to watch the Bills. This, oh, oh, okay. Throw okay. no, out your team. I I would say the Ravens. Obviously, not yeah. about the offense. Like a ton of talent on the offensive side of the ball, but this is a team that has Earl Thomas uh, on their on their defense. It has Calais Campbell on the defense. Derek Wolf. Um, you know, guys who Jimmy Smith, guys who are in their 30s who have injury histories. Maybe they would heal from a year off. Maybe they would be a good thing in some ways. But I think on the defensive side of the ball, they are a team that really could use a full season with the sort of talent they've built around Lamar Jackson while he's on a cheap salary.
1: I think that's a good one. I It's so funny because I was just about to say about the bills, it's like make or break for Josh Allen. And in Mm -hmm. no way should it be make or break for Lamar Jackson. But I feel like um, it's going to be treated that way, stupidly. Um, But for the bills, Bill, right? Like, our friend here, the Bills fan, he's absolutely right. Right, they, everything is set up for this season for them. Now, I think non-quarterback, they're they're fine for the next year. But I do mm-hmm. think this is like Josh Allen's. I think this is his shot. Basically, I'll be very curious. And I think for the organization, it's really important for them to use this year to evaluate what they have in Allen.
0: Do you think he is in a Trubisky paradigm where if he fails and – or if he doesn't fail, but if he has, like, Mitch Trubisky's season from 2019, that the Bills would actually go out and trade for or sign whoever the equivalent of Nick Foles is?
1: No, I don't.
0: You think they would stick with Um, him for another year?
1: I think they will, yeah, because, you know, uh, being drafted him. And you and I talked about this because we think – the Bill's front office and coaching staff has been so fabulous in every other regard, um, which isn't to say, you know, we're totally out on Allen necessarily yet, but um, GMs that draft players stick by them. It's so, I mean, that's why it was so shocking when the Bucks moved on from Jameis until, until, you know, Brady happened. <laughs> uh, but it's so, I actually would love to do a study on this, like the number of GMs who actually move on from quarterbacks they drafted. It has to be the tiny, tiny number.
0: Yeah, it can be super high. Um, this is a sort of related question to the idea of not having a season. Yellow Sun, or Jay Yellow Sun, excuse me, asked, if there is no NFL season, how should draft picks be ordered? Would the Bengals draft Trevor Lawrence? So, Mina, I have a whole thing, but first I'm going to throw it out to you. How would <laughs> how how would and the NFL order these draft picks if there was no NFL
1: season? I would take the team's records from the last four seasons and average them.
0: Oh, it's infuriating that you would say that, Mina, because
1: I have <laughs> I have a
0: lottery weighted by record over the last five seasons.
1: You have five. Okay, because that's that, that I was wondering how many seasons is appropriate. Um, so per your system, who would finish first?
0: Well, so there's two things here. I said the important word I said in my sentence was lottery, because I think you should not give the team that has the first overall pick, which in this case is the Cleveland Browns, the pick by default. I think there should be a lottery. The NFL needs mm-hmm. content. I think it's unfair to just give these teams multiple first-round picks in a row. But by their record over the last five years, the top ten was Browns, Giants, Jags, Niners. Very interesting. Uh, Jets, Bucks, Bengals, Dolphins, Bears, and Washington. That is the the ten worst teams over the last decade. Now, what I did was I took the NBA's model, which is like, uh, the top three teams have the if an equal shot of getting the first overall pick. Okay. It works its way down to the end of the lottery. Um, and basically the, the last two teams in the lottery have like a very small chance of getting the first overall pick. The only change I made is that I basically gave every team the same chance as the last team in the lottery. Because so it was like a 32-team lottery as opposed to like a 14-team lottery. Who are the top three? You said the Browns and then? Browns, Giants, Jags in the by record, but not in the draft because then, of course, I had to play out the right. lottery and see what happens. Of- <laughs> Mina, can I tell you who got the first overall pick oh. in the Bill Barnwell uh, Microsoft Excel randomizer function draft lottery? Tell me.
1: The New Orleans Saints. Got the no. Yes. Well, that, what? Would, that would actually be optimal for the NFL because Saints – Fans have been convinced that the league is against them, right? Right? And that things are rigged. And and finally, they would have something go their way. I'd love that outcome.
0: And get Trevor Lawrence with Sean Payton. It is a – I guess you have the Trevor Lawrence, uh, Taysom Hill quarterback controversy next year with the Saints. Andrew Brees, I guess, as well. (laughs) Not not the only blockbuster in this top ten, Mina, because the second overall pick fell to the Los Angeles Rams, who, as Uh... you may remember – do not tough have, call,
1: tough call. No,
0: they don't have their, they don't have their first round pick. Their first round pick belongs to the Jacksonville Jaguars now. So the Jaguars get the second overall pick and the Jaguars got the third overall pick by their own, uh, their own pin, their, what's the word? Pinball, I guess. So the Jaguars have picks two and three. In the first round. So, would the Saints trade down for picks two and three, and not draft Trevor Lawrence? So, the Jaguars could draft Trevor Lawrence, or do the Saints draft Trevor Lawrence, and the Jaguars have the next two picks in the NFL draft?
1: <laughs> well, it's a it's looking like a three QB draft right now, right? With Lawrence, Fields, and Lance. So, I, I might I might consider trading down. I might consider it if I'm New Orleans.
0: Yeah, it was. Saints. I don't know. It
1: depends how much you like you like Trevor Lawrence, I guess.
0: I think he's pretty good. That's my opinion. That's my, I think my, those my, other guys
1: are pretty good too, man.
0: Mm-hmm. I would say Saints. Uh, so the Saints, Jags, Jags, Jets, Bucks, Browns, Broncos, Niners, mm-hmm. Steelers move up, and then the Giants finish the top ten. So if that's how it turns out. I think that'd be pretty exciting.
1: I love that you did this, and you're right. This is content that I would I would very much need.
0: So. Absolutely. Um, the Jason of Man asks Freddie Kitchens. Mm-hmm had one of the worst seasons I've seen for a head coach. I concur. Someone's watching Baker Mayfield tape right now. I agree. Uh, and firing him seemed to be the right call. What are some of the worst one-and-done or other shortly-lived head coaching tenures in your opinions?
1: I feel bad, but my brain immediately went to Jim Tomsula. <laughs> I feel bad. He seems really nice.
0: Yes, Sure. <laughs> But I'm I'm nice and I don't I shouldn't be an NFL <laughs> coach. He's a he's a very um, good defensive line coach, but
1: yeah. Did I actually speaking of like one of those things where you start talking about off seasons and you didn't know things were happening. Did you know he was the DL coach with the Cowboys? Now I didn't know that. I, I did not know that. I
0: thought he was still with Washington, but I guess that makes sense. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. He's good. Who's Is any others very, come to mind for you?
0: Yes, the guy who came to mind for me was Bobby Petrino, uh, who went four and twelve. <laughs> With the 2007 Falcons, where Michael Vick got arrested and suspended before the season, um, and they had like Joey Harrington at yeah. quarterback, and three years later, now this is not a quote that was like in the moment. Uh, I believe three years later. Do you, have you heard or do you remember Mike Zimmer's Mike quote about Bobby Petrino? I do not. Okay, so three years later Mike Zimmer was asked about Bobby Petrino and he said when a coach quits in the middle of the year and ruins a bunch of people's families and doesn't have enough guts to finish out the year, I'm not a part of it. And you can put that in the Arkansas News Gazette. I don't really give a, I don't really give a He's a coward, he ruined a bunch of people's lives, a bunch of families, kids because he doesn't have enough balls to stay there and finish the job. And that's the truth. Mike Zimmer. I mean, maybe he is that sort. Like maybe he is that aggressive in private. Not someone who really says like that dramatic of a statement in public all that often. Let alone about another coach. So I thought that was pretty telling.
1: Petrino Patr- didn't he pull the um, who was Carrie Bradshaw's boyfriend in Sex and the City who dumped her via post-it note? Jack something. The writer.
0: Mm-hmm. Ah.
1: Now I, I mean <laughs> I realize that but you are. But that's what a- Petrino did to his players. Right. I'm going to put a post. Was it a post it? I'm going to Google. That was a Bobby. laminated note.
0: I'm going to Google Bobby Petrino's sex in the city and see what comes up. Um.
1: Oh, God. Do not Google that, Bill. Do not Google that. Especially if you're on a work computer. Um, Yeah, it was. Now I remember it was the laminated note, but it was like just like a few sentences and he left them in all the lockers. Right. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. Move.
0: <laughs> not not ideal. Uh, he oh. was. That, that was pretty bad. Um, there was also a Cam Cameron season with the Dolphins, where they went one and fifteen. That was around the same time, I think. That yeah. was also not ideal. Um, Baseball Brit asks this question: If you were a new international fan of the NFL, which great time to get in now that there's not going to be a football season, probably? Uh, which which three criteria would you come up with to help choose a team to support? So, I mean, I, I want to hear your criteria, and then who you think fits that criteria for a team to support.
1: Number one, don't choose a team with a crappy owner because coaches come and go GMs come and go, one. but owners are forever. Yeah. That's where you want to look first. Who is the owner of this team? Okay. Two colors. Obviously you want a team with cool colors, right? Yes. Why are you laughing? It's this a no brainer. Very different from my list, but sure. Not unreasonable. Okay. Then three, I'd go quarterback. Pick a team with a good quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. It's fair. I, I had quarterback one. I'm not going to lie. I think owner is a really good point and something I I, re- I regret not coming up with. I had young quarterback. I had legendary status. So they're more likely to get national TV windows, thinking that they're more likely to oh. then produce international games. Smart. Or, and you have Very historical smart. lore, which I feel like all the people who became Liverpool supporters in the last two or three years, like, You know, they get to kind of build off that, like, 30-year history and then be like, oh, I'm so happy they won even now when you've been a supporter for, like, two years. But that's fine. Um, And then I thought maybe stadium atmosphere. But I feel like owner should take one of those. You're barely going to go,
1: right?
0: No, but, like, I think you want to, like, have that that energy. You want to, like, appreciate that idea of, like, oh, man, if I just went that Mm. one time, it'd be so cool. Um, Anyway, I, I think your list is better than mine. But given your list, what teams come to mind for you? Ravens. Yeah, sure. I'd love owner. to be a
1: Ravens fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only team that, that that's more committed to the run than the Seahawks.
1: Uh, but in the smart way. Um. So yeah, I put. I mean, it's funny. Have you ever been to like a football bar, like or a sports bar when a football game's on, like in Mexico or the UK or something, and mm-hmm. yep. seen sort of the yeah? And, and there's a ton of. It, it's always depend. I mean, there's obviously. Niners fans, Cowboys fans, Packers fans, you know. Um, it's more a reflection of kind of recent, or not immediate recent, but like last 10 years history, usually. Um, like I remember going to a bar, sports bar in Mexico not long after the Broncos won the Super Bowl, and there was just a group of British guys who were all wearing Broncos jerseys. Like, what? Why did you? I don't know. <laughs> who did you choose?
0: I, um, I will say also to your point, I went to a... Niners Broncos game in London, the year that they mm-hmm. both were playing in London, when it was like Josh McDaniels was right about to get fired. It was like Troy Smith and Pal Orton a quarterback. And the biggest cheer in the entire game was for Jerry Rice because the people who went to that game watched the NFL a decade earlier. And when the Niners were great, Jerry Rice was great. So that he got the biggest reaction of anybody from that game. Um, so I, I went with the Chiefs. I mean, it's maybe too simple. I think ownership is fine. You have a great quarterback. You have a lively crowd. You have um, a great coach. The quarterback's not going anywhere for a long time. And also, and this is maybe a reflection of my own um, self-flagellation, I picked the Giants. The Giants have a what? young quarterback. Giants have a young quarterback. They're on TV a lot. They have stable ownership. I don't know about good ownership, but um, I, you know, I if Daniel Jones is good, I think the Giants could be a fun team to watch.
1: Wow, okay. I didn't see that coming from you. Um.
0: No, I'm. I'm not saying it's going to work out that way, but I think I'm just. I just want to encourage someone to go through the. Same no,
1: thing. I like. I like that pick too because you're not buying high, right? Like our and Ravens, you're obviously a bandwagoner. But if you become a fan of it, you are buying low and you can ride the wave. So I, I'm into would that. Would
0: you? Would you pick the Cowboys?
1: No, come on. You don't want to be an international Cowboys fan. It's like the worst.
0: Um. Next question, Mary Baggy Twelve asks, "Why does everyone think Matt Nagy is such a bad coach? He's twenty and twelve with Trubisky at quarterback. It's pretty good." Uh, Mary Maggie says, "I know Mina Kimes doesn't think Matt Nagy. Oh, sorry, I'm not sure. I can't get the. I, I don't know whether she means that Mina Kimes doesn't think Matt Nagy is such a bad coach, or that you think Matt Nagy is a bad coach."
1: I think she, if she says that, she knows that I'm fairly uncritical of him, I I think. (laughs) So uh, I I have not gone after Matt Nagy in my criticism of the Chicago Bears offense. I think he's far down the list of problems over the last two years. Um, But the question is, why do people think he's a good coach? Well, you know, he's obviously coming up out of that Chiefs offense. That was incredible, although Andy Reid gets a ton of credit for that and continues to. Um, I think also that first year with Trubisky, uh, sort of people seeing what he was before and after necessarily, you know. Mm-hmm. He, um, it's funny. I grabbed the next-gen stats. For those who don't know, they do the expected completion percentage and your, CPO, your completion percentage over that. And Trubisky's expected completion percentage was almost the same 2018 mm-hmm. and 2019. He just went above it the year before and under it the year after. And it's hard for me, Bill... I actually have a hard time sort of assessing Nagy in that offense because I think he just game plans so much around Trubisky's limitations, especially the first half of last season. Um, Mm -hmm. I know he's been criticized for not having him run more, uh, but I'm not so I don't believe that having Trubisky giving more designed runs to Mitch Trubisky would have solved that offense in any meaningful fashion.
0: I don't think it would have made that much of a difference. I mean, even the runs that Trubisky had during his good season were mostly scrambles. Like it wasn't like yeah. he was Lamar Jackson. Um, so I don't think I would say that's a big concern. I My biggest beef with Matt Nagy is as a bald man, I don't understand why he wears a visor with no hair and often very point. little sun. And Probably. I I have not heard an answer that satisfies me. So I'm I'm skeptical of him from that perspective. I think anytime you have an offensive minded coach, who is getting credit for a mostly defensive based team making the playoffs, I think you're going to have like an automatic reaction of people saying, oh, he's getting credit. He doesn't deserve because it's really the defense that pushed them where they are as opposed to the offense, which is true, but it's almost like it's such an obvious thing that it's become like over, it's, it's like too easy of a point to make, or it's too simplistic of a point to make. Mm-hmm. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I, um, it's, it's just hard. Like, again, he, I feel like he schemed up like four yards per attempt for Mitch Trubisky. So on one hand, that sucks. But on the other hand, like, what do you what do you want him to do, man? <laughs> like, I don't know. So it's kind of – my feeling is that he doesn't deserve a lot of credit, but then he doesn't deserve a lot of blame at the same time. Yes. Um, have you ever heard my looks like for Matt Nagy?
0: No, I'm, of his afraid. I'm afraid. Is it me?
1: No, like. he looks like um, Ryan Russillo if he didn't sleep for four days. <laughs> I will miss the cutaways to Matt Nagy and the sidelines whenever Trubisky would screw up.
0: There's mm-hmm. some
1: truly, truly <laughs> brutal cutaways. I, by the way, um, I'm very curious to see what he does with Foles. I think, I think it'll be interesting.
0: I think, it'll I think be, this is
1: going to be Nick Foles' job, and, and I'm very curious to see.
0: It, I think I Trubisky. think it will be his job for three quarters before he injures himself and then Mr. Trubisky's back oh, in for the next no,
1: six
0: weeks. No, I am. I don't want Nick Foles to get hurt, but I'm also like I live in a universe where Nick Foles gets hurt anytime he plays, pretty much. So I know. Um, I think we have two more, so I'm going to finish up two more. Um, who is this? Is from Coy Chris, Who is the best wide receiver under 25 in the NFL, and when
1: will it be AJ Brown? Well, I think AJ Brown's already in contention. For I just sure. grabbed a list of receivers by ages. I think to me, it's between him and the person who I do think it is, which is Chris Godwin, who I feel like I'm approaching evangelist level, Chris Godwin hype. But um, I think he's the best wide receiver under 25 in the NFL. I think A.J. Brown is second. And then after that, I think you've got Terry McLaurin, Debo, I'd throw into the mix. None of these, they aren't it. I'm just saying that kind of next tier, um, maybe like a Michael Gallup. But I, I think it's between Godwin and Brown. Am I missing anyone obvious, Bill? Can I,
0: can, I, can I tell you, Mina? I have three people in my top three. You name zero of my top what? three in your list.
1: What?
0: Um, I think Chris Godwin's great. I, I have no Wait, issue. You
1: don't have him in your top three?
0: I don't. I have three people ahead of Chris Godwin.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, tell me.
0: Number one, I will also say no. someone who is not in my top three, but I'm surprised you did not name, is D-K. Our, our friend DK Metcalf.
1: Yeah, I was trying not to be a homer. I also don't. I think AJ Brown and Chris Godwin are better than him.
0: Mina, this is the one show where you are allowed to be a homer. Just tell Everyone me you're about
1: three. I'm so i I'm burning with curiosity now.
0: Okay. Number three is Cortland Sutton of the Denver Broncos, oh, yeah. who has had he, terrible quarterbacks he's and he's awesome. He is so awesome. good. when he I watch Drew my Lock group is sick. It is. Like if Drew Locke is yeah. any good, they're going to be terrifying. Yeah. But Cortland Sutton is playing with uh, maybe one of the worst quarterback situations in football. That's a good one. Number two, another guy playing with subpar quarterbacks is really good. I had DJ Moore.
1: No, he's not better than Chris. He is really good, but he's not better than Chris Godwin.
0: Chris Godwin has Mike Evans across from him. Chris Godwin is not seeing a ton of double teams. DJ Moore is the man in that offense, and he's been 23 for about two and a half months. Number one. A guy who we are sleeping on for some reason. because what happened last year. Juju Smith-Schuster is still good at football.
1: No, he's not as good as Chris Godwin. He is good. I forgot that he's under 25. Otherwise, I would have put him in my top three. But he's not as good as Chris Godwin.
0: Chris Godwin has one season at this level, which was great. Juju Smith-Schuster has one season at that level, and his season was better than Chris Godwin's season. I feel like we should have a wager. On who's better? Like, How are we going to quantify that? More yards He's going to average
1: year. more yards per target next year because
0: Juju gets ben back. Oh, I know. Well, trust me, I'm like this is part of this is definitely like I want to seem smart by because people <laughs> are sleeping on Juju. <laughs> like I'm not going to lie. Like let's no, just you're be right. honest. people here.
1: are sleeping. I I like I said I would have absolutely. He belongs in that top group. Um, I just think, dude, AJ Brown's really good.
0: AJ Brown's great. I I have no qualms with AJ Brown being in this discussion. Like he is. Phenomenal, and I think he is like the numbers say he's likely to regress, and I'm like I'm not buying the numbers. Like I think he's going to have he's going to be well, less productive. Panhel going to regress, so
1: he'll start right.
0: from there. Like I don't think he's going to be as productive on a play-by-play basis. But, like I think he's going to have much more volume this year. So I'm trying well, to think what that should be. Uh, I think here, here's what I want the bet to be. At least on on my end, if I win this bet. I want to do an episode of the Mina Kaim show featuring Lenny and I
1: want the Lenny voice brought back. Okay, that's fine. Um, if I win this bet, thing that you and I disagree about. Mm, do you still have that Seahawks DVOA jersey? <laughs> I do, yes. All right. Um, <laughs> or do you have that horrible hat? Okay, if I win, you have to just change your avatar to something I choose for a day. That's fine. Okay. Um, Okay. In like
0: three days. Yes. Well, for an indeterminate period of time, because I will probably forget about it and then just leave it on for a moment. (laughs) Um. Last question. Mina Kimes. Oh, boy. This is from Corgi Krenick. Breakout coach candidates. We're going to pick an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator to break out in 2020. So this is a at least I'm, I'm assuming a coordinator who you think is going to do well this year and likely to engender uh possible head, coach. yeah, head coaching interest this time next off season.
1: I hope an actual Corey asks this question. Um, I think Brian Dable is going to be a strong, is going to get a head coaching really? job off of this season. Yeah. I, I like him. I, I am and I think
0: on the span wagon.
1: You don't like much. him. This is, this is one of the rare things we really disagree about, huh? He, I mean, like granted, it's sort of the Matt Nagy thing, where it's like,
0: what yeah. do you have to work with? And I think he actually did a decent job of scheming things up for Josh Allen. But I, this offense is going to be like twenty fourth in DVOA.
1: Whoa! Bold why, prediction. Why is that that crazy? Like, what were they, they this have year? The best, arguably the best wide receiver group in the NFL.
0: They have a wide receiving group. One person is going to get very angry at Josh Allen in week two. One guy who I love in John Brown, but who has a history of getting hurt. And then, like, I mean, are you really that high on Cole Beasley as the number three wideout?
1: I love him as a number three wideout. Yeah, I do.
0: Um, they were, by the way, 21st in offensive DVOA last year. So, like, I'm not – it's not that crazy of a prediction.
1: Um, this isn't – this is weird, but – because it's weird to call him a breakout coach candidate – but I think Todd Bowles could go back to being a head coach. That was
0: that was my that was my pick for DC. I have is this yeah. too obvious in question marks uh, yeah. behind it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I think that defense I've run it about of the bunch like much better by the advanced metrics and the raw numbers. I think just having Tom Brady on, on the offensive side of the ball is going to reduce their their time on the field. They're going to look much better. There's a bunch of talent there. Like there's legitimately a bunch of good players on that defense. And I you know if they make the playoffs and they have a long playoff run. I think he will deservedly get another uh, look as a head coach. I have a, different, a different offensive head. mind for you though. I did not pick Brian Duvall. I picked Joe Brady. I have him on my list too. So I, Joe, I
1: my whole yeah, he was, he was next. Yeah. No, no, I think yeah, he's fine. I agree. Yeah.
0: I mean he is a young person and owners love hiring young coaches. He yeah. did an awesome job at LSU. I think there are a lot of owners who will sit here and say that, hey, if he proves himself as a coordinator in the NFL, like I think the year at LSU, the time under Sean Payton, brief, but still time under Sean Payton, and um, whatever success the Panthers have this year with the second best wide receiver under 25 in the NFL in TJ Moore, um, I think there is a there's at least one owner who will like trick themselves into thinking, hey, here's the actual next Sean McVeigh as opposed to someone who is just vaguely related to Sean McVeigh.
1: I agree. When I did the Panthers in my NFC South preview, like, that was one team where I talked myself. I, I was much higher on them after thinking it through than going into it, if that makes sense. Um, I think he's going to also, I think expectations for Teddy are pretty low, right? And people don't really know what to make of that team because they're kind of like this rebuilding team or whatever. And I think um, Joe Brady is going to find a way to exceed them with that group. So I agree. I think it's an underrated group too. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I kind of was just thinking like units that are going to be better than people think. I think, um, Twitter fingers, Jack Del Rio's defense could be actually surprisingly good, but I don't, I don't know oh, just flew on me. Um, I'd probably not good enough, you know, like you Falcons could get some improvement under Raheem Morris, for example, but I don't think that's going to bring him back. I think Brady, given the way things have gone over the last few years is much more likely to get consideration.
0: I think there's at least one owner who will think he is related to Tom Brady and be too embarrassed or too <laughs> proud to ask, and then that will help his uh, help his tenure. Amazing. Just IMO, but Mina Kimes, thank you so much for hopping on the show. I, I I feel stupid asking like where people should check out or what what where people can find more of you. I think that the audience probably knows where to do that, but just in case, just in case there's a new listener who
1: does not know. Sure. You can follow me on Twitter at Mina Kimes. I um, also have a football show, The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, and then the daily podcast, ESPN Daily, of which Bill Barnwell is a regular contributor. Hits the subscribe button for both of those, I suppose. And uh, yeah, you can catch me on TV on Round the Horn, Highly Questionable.
0: Awesome. Mina, thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. Thanks so much, of course, to my good friend, Mina Kimes. If you haven't, don't be stupid. Check out her various podcasts and TV shows. Subscribe to as many of them as you can. And, of course, thanks for listening. We'll have more audio coming next week, more NFL content on the way, uh, maybe another mailbag along the way if we can't think of stuff. But obviously, um, hope you guys are staying healthy. hope you guys are protecting yourselves and hope we can entertain you for a bit. More audio on the way next week. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular.
1: I have extremely large upper
0: arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so
1: I feel accepted. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.